Good morning and welcome to First Presbyterian Church of St. Albans. I want to welcome you to our online worship. Um, as previously stated, we had hoped um, in all reality to share this with you live streaming on Facebook as it happened. But of course, due to technology and um, uh, every church and worship center between here and California is um, doing the same thing we're doing at the same time. I think we had some hangups. Um, and it was unable to get this service provided to you. So we are now on plan D and we are going to proceed with our service um, and record it for you and share it. And we hope that you are able to find um, some peace. We hope that you're able to hear the word of God for you today um, and within our service. Our worship leaders have worked hard to provide um, this moment for you. And we just hope that it finds your heart um, today. The video will be here for you to come back and watch at any time over and over again. So um, today I'd like to again welcome you to First Presbyterian Church and thank you for watching this video. May the Lord be with you. Now, let us worship God. Thank you. 
Please join me in our responsive call to worship. God does not see us as mortals, see? We look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Jesus, the light of the world, give us eyes to see as you see. Once we lived in darkness, but now, as children of light, we are called to what is good and right and true. Jesus, light of the world, give us eyes to see as you see. Now, you may join us in our gathering song, I Need, every, I need Thee Every Hour.
Please join me in our call to confession. As children of God's light, we are called to do what is pleasing to the Lord, to participate in what is good and right and true, and expose what is unfruitful and evil. Knowing what we have and haven't done, we bring our confession to God so that the shadows of our hearts may be illuminated by grace. Gracious God, we are people who still love darkness rather than light. We keep shameful deeds secret, but flaunt our occasional acts of virtue. We see ourselves as blameless, but pass judgment on others. We do not stand firmly enough with those who are vulnerable, but step back, protecting ourselves. Forgive us, we pray. Bring us into your light that we may see ourselves rightly. Bring us into your light that we may know ourselves loved. Bring us into your light that we may live more fruitful lives. Keep raising us, we pray, from the deeds of sin and shine upon us with your grace. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. The psalmist assures us that God's goodness and mercy will follow us, even pursue us, all the days of our life. As God's forgiven people, receive this goodness and mercy and live a new life in the grace of Jesus Christ. We will live as children of the light, for Christ shines on us. Our reading, first reading this morning is from Psalms. It's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He make me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of our Lord. Now we will move on to our next hymn, Amazing Grace.
Well, good morning. Glad you can join us here in worship, uh, even in our delayed hosted service. We hope that you can join us and uh, be fulfilled in God's glory and blessings. Our scripture lesson this morning from the New Testament comes from John, the ninth chapter, reading verses 1 through 11. There is a longer portion of this to read verses 1 through 33. You can do that on your own. Uh, you can get the fuller story and the struggle that uh, happened in this passage in the Bible with Jesus and the blind man. So I'll be reading John 9, beginning with verse 1. As he walked along, Jesus saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, for he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. 
but they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Salaam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that your blessings come through your words. I ask that I speak them truthfully, that together we may know your command this day for us. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, this account in John chapter 9 is an astonishing thing. It was not something that would normally be observed in ancient Judah. That's why it was astonishing, I'm sure, to all those around. And that's why people had trouble recognizing this blind man when he later could see that they were so incredulous that they would deny it. But I'm sure the blind man had the most astonishment seeing for the first time the light of the world. I know I've seen uh, in the dark rabbit, in the rabbit hole of, of YouTube, astonishing videos like that of people seeing for the first time or hearing for the first time due to some sort of electronic implant that, or special glasses that they've been able to wear. And it's, um, it is, uh, wonderful to see these people's initial reactions to being, being able to hear and see for the first time. Well, I know many of us probably have never experienced that sort of astonishment. And in my own life, I, I had to think of some other way in which I was astonished by what had happened around me. You see, the church that my wife Jan and I served in the Bahamas, the Lukaya Presbyterian Kirk, had just finished its vacation Bible school. And we were having a vacation Bible school, celebrating it at the, as a picnic at the beach. Just think of it. Oh, oh Adam, no, no, wrong picture, sorry. Just think of it. You finish vacation Bible school, and the next minute, you're at the beach. A sandy beach, a mile and a quarter of the beach just for you and your congregation. The grills are heating, the cooler's ice is getting the pop and juice and water to the right temperature, and the children are already in the water. But this year, for this vacation Bible school, we were getting a special treat. You see, we had two members at Lukaya Presbyterian Kirk one who was the manager and trainer at the Dolphin Experience in Freeport. And they had decided they were going to surprise all the children at Vacation Bible School, and they would bring two specially trained dolphins to the beach for the kids to enjoy. These dolphins are especially trained for the open ocean and were quite often used in movies and commercials and even music videos. If you've seen the movie Zeus and Roxanne, the larger dolphin in the back, that's Bimini the dolphin, and she was in that movie. 
So here were the dolphins out there by the gracious uh, offering from the dolphin experience. They were brought out by the boat and the dolphins were doing their actions and the kids were doing it about 60 feet off the beach. The mothers were holding the younger children and the other children gathered around the dolphins swimming around them and splashing them. They were able to pet them. I was halfway to the dolphins with two more children when I heard a commotion coming from the beach. What really got my attention was the word shark. Halfway between us and the shore was an unmistakable dorsal fin going parallel to the beach. The adults on the shore were all straining their voices and pointing at the shark and at the children. We noticed that the dads stayed in their chairs while it was the moms who rushed and waved and screamed as they came to the water's edge. Well, I took the children out to the rest of the group because we were always safer in a large group rather than being separate. And then I turned and tried to keep myself between the shark as it swam between the shark and the kids. But what happened next was the astonishing thing. Hartley Low, an eighth generation Bahamian, came charging into the water toward the shark. He slapped the fin and then began stomping in the water right behind the, the tail, marshaling the shark on down the coast until it was several hundred feet away. Meanwhile, we recovered all the children back to the shore just in case. Now, Harley later told me that he wasn't so brave and we weren't in any particular danger. The shark was just a baby shark, a baby lemon shark. It was only about five to six feet long and fully grown, they get to nine feet long. The lemon shark is quite timid and there's no record of ever attacking humans. Hartley added that most sharks have to be at least 11 feet long or more and a more aggressive species to be known to attack humans. But it was still astonishing. What was the astonishing thing that Sunday was at that vacation Bible school beach party? What was the astonishing thing? It was that Hartley acted. He jumped in the water focused on forcing that shark to move along. He didn't say, oh, it's Sunday. I'm supposed to be having a day of rest. No work is supposed to be accomplished. And running and jumping into the water after that shark, well, that would be work. I'll just stay here in my chair. Hartley didn't say, oh, I don't have a gun or a gaff hook. I, I don't have a baseball bat, so I can't do anything about the shark in the water there. He just did a normal thing in an abnormal time. He did a normal thing in abnormal time. In some manner of speaking, Jesus had done the same thing. He, had, he was presented with this man, blind from birth, and he was given a theological challenge by his disciples. Why was this man born blind? Was he a sinner or, or his parents? 
I once knew a very faithful Christian woman who questioned everything along the same, the same line. She could understand why certain people were plagued by bad health and bad life challenges. Why, it was because they failed to believe or put their trust in God. Of course, that was evident. Well, that was evident for her until she was diagnosed with a serious illness. Suddenly, she began to question everything. She, she didn't, never questioned God, but she began questioning herself. She told me, well, I must have failed to believe enough uh, to put my trust in God enough. I, I teach two Sunday school classes. I lead a women's Bible group. I lead evening prayer session, but I failed God somehow. What more does God want from me? What more can I do to get back in God's favor? See how that works? There are some that are in the trap of some Christian theologies that God only rewards people who do or believe or pray or act in certain ways or in enough certain ways. And you are judged immediately. If you don't mind my ways, says God, I'll strike you down with penalties and disease. The, the, the disciples understood this cause and effect quite well and attributed it to the reason that this man was born blind, blind from birth. The struggle that they had was if if it wasn't, if it was the parents' fault, they could see the connection. But if it was that this man was born blind at birth, what failure could he have done? Was it a roll of the dice or was it even worse? But that's not how John, how Jesus reacted in the response. To Jesus, the man's blindness had nothing to do what his parents did, what he had done, or left undone. His blindness was so God's goodness could be shown and explained. That was the abnormal part, believe it or not. And now comes the normal part. Jesus spit in the ground, mixed the dirt with his saliva, he made a minute mask of mud, and this he spread on the man's eyes and told him to go to Salaam, the pool of water fed by the Gion Spring. And that was it. Here's mud in your eye. Go wash. The man did. Followed those very plain directions. And because he did, he could see. The light of the world suddenly came into his eyes, and he had vision again. Now, the rest of this story in verses 12 through 33 explains how this man and his parents were questioned over and over by friends and family, by the Jewish leadership, asking them, how did this man gain his sight? And over and over they explained, this Jesus put mud in his eyes and told him to wash in Siloam, and he did, and now he sees. In fact, the Jewish leaders asked this man so many times, he asked them, 
why do you want me to tell you this? Are you too wanting to be his disciples? Do you too want to believe that he is the Messiah? And I say this, Jesus healed this man in a normal way because he didn't use any mysterious incantation. He didn't burn incense or light candles. He didn't ask the man to go on a quest. He didn't go through a long ritual action. Jesus spat on the ground. And with that very small bit of mud and saliva, he put that on the man's eyes and told it to, to wash off. That was it. And who was to get the glory? Well, the man didn't know where Jesus was. So Jesus wasn't seeking it. Jesus didn't demand any money. He didn't demand for the former blind man to become his disciple as a prerequisite of his healing. Jesus did say that it was done so that God's glory could be known, that light was coming into the world to overcome darkness. What better way to show it than having the blind see? So now we find ourselves in abnormal times. How can we help the blind to see? Well, all it might be for you to do is to do something normal. In our abnormal times, that would be bringing your neighbors some food for which they cannot acquire it themselves. You, you can do normal things like wash so that you don't spread coronavirus to others. Wash your hands. Who knew? Doing something normal in an abnormal time can tell others about your love for them, your love for yourself, your love for your God. Often that's how God works. In the little normal acts. I was blind, but now I see. That's what God wants us to know. And that's how God wants us to act in these abnormal times. Do the normal things that God has asked you to do in your life. Be gentle, be loving, be helpful, be patient, be kind. That's how we bring light into God's world. Amen? Amen. Now, if you would, let us join together as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From then there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
Amen. Now, if we can, let us come to a time in which we can share prayers, uh, the prayers of the people. Now, how do we do this when we're separate, when I can't ask for your prayers? Well, one, one way we've been doing in, this, in these abnormal times is, is we have our evangelism and congregational care committee and, and others who have volunteered to be in constant contact with those of you in the congregation, especially those who are uh, alone or separate. And they are keeping in us all in, up to date with what is happening. And so as I called them all last night to get all the news and pray with them, uh, this is the list of people that I have compiled. So as, as we pray, we will lift them all up together. Let us turn to prayer. Most wonderful Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us, a day in which your light breaks, the day in which your favor still comes to us in spite of everything that's happening in this world. We can only depend on you and depend on the ones that you send to us with deliveries and help, with hope and blessings. We thank you for all the, those who lead us, who are working their, at their utmost to bring the protective equipment to our doctors and nurses, for our workers, for those, we appreciate those that you have put in place to continue their long, hard work in finding a vaccine and doing tests on other medicines that can assuage and calm the symptoms of this coronavirus. Please be with them all. Be with all those who are seeking to help in other ways, like our evangelism and congregational care committee. One, one person uh, that they found in contact with was Muriel, Muriel Crick, just 100 years old this day, doing well and fine and wished us all to know that. And we are grateful for God for her long and healthy life. We appreciate too, God, the, those who sent us to uh, present this worship to everybody, for, for Adam and Mike and Holly at the cameras, for the musicians, Mary Ellen and Lindsay and Tony, for Betty, for John and Brian and Kirk, who would, could lead us in music this morning. We appreciate their dedication. We thank you for all those uh, who have brought names to us that are, in, that are in need of care, and also those that are doing well. So we continue to lift up Debbie Parsons, who uh, was under care for flu and is now at home continuing that care. We ask you to continue to be with Pebble and Peggy for Muriel and for Mel in their times of uh, continued work and recovery for Millie White as well. 
and we asked for your prayers on for for Ian Moyer. He he is not doing well, and we pray. We ask your prayers to cover Marion in her time uh, with Ian far far away. We are grateful and thankful, Lord, that you have called us here to continue to worship, to continue to pray, to continue in our as normal as we can in our in our abnormal times be with us in your light being your light in the darkness bringing your peace in the disruption being your peace in the chaos pursue us with your goodness and your love that we may know you and show you in every way possible in this we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, before we get to our final song, I have uh, one other uh, statement I want to get, get out to everybody. When I first came to First Presbyterian Church of St. Albans, I told the session that when at the time when the future pastor nominating committee got further along in their process, they would be getting close to possibly calling their the next Paul pastor for First Presbyterian. And that I would follow the, the way John the Baptist explained what he would do in, in John chapter 3, verse 30. He said that he would need to decrease so that Christ might increase. And I took that as a, a model for my ministry and interim work. And that as the search comes toward its end, or seems to be coming close to its end, I should be decreasing my presence so that the focus can be increasing on the next call pastor. Now, I don't know the, where they, the pastor nominating committee is in the process, and our abnormal times might change some things. But toward that end, as my our contract together between First Presbyterian Church and myself ends in March, at the end of March, I thought it would be a good time to change the contract. And so Session has voted and agreed that at the beginning of April, uh, our new contract together will be month by month, and that I will go half-time. That will decrease my presence in many ways. It will help you to focus on the new pastor. It also will be helpful in this very abnormal time, especially in, in the financial situation as well. Meanwhile, we'll stay connected by the phone, by the internet, by whatever way possible. Uh, you, you have my contact information. If not, please uh, contact Donna Murgis and she'll get with me. Uh, session will be having a Zoom meeting next Sunday to talk about 
how we will continue uh, beyond uh, March. Uh, a lot of this will depend on what Governor Justice de determines this week on school closings or not. So the, in this abnormal time, let us continue as normal as we can, looking to God and especially as we share in our final song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let us sing.
So go in peace. Go in God's blessings. Go be normal. Show God's love. Amen? Amen. We want to thank you for joining us today. Again, um, we hope that this service found you um, um, and touched your heart in some way. So may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you today and always. This concludes our service for the day. <laughs>